Welcome to Smart City Viewpoints at ARC Advisory Group. I'm Larry O'Brien, uh, Vice President of Research at ARC Advisory Group. Uh, and our guest today on our first episode uh, is my colleague, Jim Frazier, Vice President of Smart Cities. Uh, good morning, Jim. Thank you, Larry. So our topic today is defining and planning your smart city efforts. Uh, and Jim, I'd like to start off uh, with the first question, and it's a pretty basic one. Uh, what is a smart city? Well, well, Larry, hey, thanks. That's a great uh, introductory question. It's, it's a public agency that cities, counties, states, uh, provincial entities, uh, nations that embrace IoT to drive digital transformation within their organization and, and perhaps even more importantly, with other impacted community members. Uh, a public agency touches a lot of private interests as, as well. Um, you know, there are a range of definitions of smart cities. It's, a, it's a, somewhat of an, uh, an ambiguous term. Uh, one of the definitions we like the best actually comes from the Smart Cities Council, and it includes nine vertical applications that are required in a smart city. And basically, it covers the functions of, of a public agency. So let me cover some of those. Uh, the first is the built environment. That's all of a city's buildings, parks, uh, public spaces, schools, firehouses, police stations, hospitals, including all of those embedded uh, electronic control systems uh, within those facilities, like HVAC, security, lighting. They're all important parts of that domain. So the built environment, basically buildings, are, are number one. Then we have energy infrastructure. That's, that's the, uh, everything from the substation uh, on down, street lighting, uh, gas, um, uh, distribution assets, uh, metering of municipally owned utilities and rural co-ops, uh, microgrids and energy storage, as well as photovoltaic and wind power are also increasingly uh, important in that domain, number two, energy infrastructure. Then of course, there's number three, telecommunications. That's critical for, for safety and well-being, as well as for uh, economic vitality of, of the community, both, uh, both business and private. Uh, broadband is, as we all know, a topic of uh, huge discussion in, in this domain. It's critical for just about every business activity as well as you know, safety uh, issues. Uh, in terms of business activities, broadband brings in businesses of call centers, retail distribution hubs, server farms, uh, medical imaging, uh, and a range of different high-wage uh, jobs that uh, you know drive the revenue of, of a city. Because remember, cities do get their revenue from from taxes in terms of sales taxes, income taxes, and property taxes. <clears throat> then uh, number four in those verticals is transportation and mobility, and in many cases, this is the largest component of of a smart city. So remember that roads, streets, bike lanes vehicles, public transport, uh, ports, are all, are all critical parts of, of, a, of a city. And as, as we all undoubtedly know, there are some very dramatic paradigm shifts that are happening in the domains of mobility, from Uber and Lyft to mobility as a service initiatives that integrate everything from bike share and bike rental and scooters to, to light rail. Coming in the very near future, 
And actually, uh, there have already been some deployments of connected vehicle technology that drives a number of safety applications. And a little farther out, we've, we've all heard about uh, autonomous vehicles, whether it be autonomous uh, uh, shuttles for people, or uh, perhaps even sooner will be autonomous vehicle deliveries of, of, uh, of food, for example. Then, of course, there's, some, there's a range of more traditional um, government services that you would think of in terms of a, a smart city. But the IoT and digital transformation can impact all of these just as dramatically. <clears throat> that includes health and human services, including telemedicine, uh, educational virtualization. As we know, college education uh, high, and even uh, public school and education is getting increasingly expensive. And serving that remotely in a virtualized manner is uh, is uh, certainly on the rise, uh, including, and perhaps uh, most importantly, to rural environments. <clears throat> then, of course, there's water and wastewater. That's the collection, distribution, metering, and reclamation of water, uh, monitoring water purity and cleanliness. There's waste management. Um, you know, there's an awful lot of packaged products that are that are bought and uh, used today. So the collection, distribution, reuse, and recycling of that waste material is very important. Um, you know, incinerators and landfills are increasingly viewed as a non-optimum way of processing the waste stream. So IoT can, can help that in terms of even uh, uh, methane gas generation at a, at a landfill. Uh, public safety. Public safety infrastructure includes police, fire, and EMS first responders as well as uh, disaster prevention and management agencies, courts and correction facilities. Um, it even trickles down to law enforcement body cams, as well as IoT-enabled gunshot uh, detectors. And lastly, uh, payments and finance. Perhaps the lowest hanging fruit in the smart city domain is simply moving from paper-based bills to online bill payment. It's almost a it's almost uh, a one-time cost with very low maintenance, and it um, uh, is probably the first thing that uh, a smart city entity should should um, should do. Now, those those are all the applications. the The IoT and digital transformation domain is not itself uh, one one ubiquitous uh, effort. There's a couple of technologies, actually seven, that impact all of those nine applications. So instrumentation and controls are obvious, um, are, are, are an obvious requirement. It's how a smart city monitors and controls conditions. It provides the eyes and ears. And you know, good examples include smart meters for electricity, water, and gas, air quality sensors, uh, high quality video for traffic monitoring, people monitoring, roadway sensors, uh, as well as the more traditional switches, breakers, and other electrical devices that uh, you know operators can remotely control. So instrumentation and control is perhaps the the most foundational piece. Then, of course, number two, you need connectivity. Is it low bandwidth? Is it high bandwidth? Is it a, is it Wi-Fi? Is it a mesh network? There's a number of questions uh, around that domain. Uh, do you use cellular? Um, uh, interoperability. Is, is a third technology issue. Uh, interoperability 
dry uh, really means uh, having all seven layers of a connection be interoperable. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a very simple sense, that ranges from your connector must match to at the at layer seven, the application must match. So you could, um, you know, in a simple example, you could use the same character set, say alphanumeric characters, but if one person speaking French and one speaking English, well, the communication is is difficult. Um, cybersecurity and privacy are are uh, an ecosystem of technologies, policies, and practices that safeguard data, privacy, and, and assets. Um, a city really should publish clear privacy rules and should implement a robust cybersecurity system. Uh, both of these play a, a very critical role in enabling smart cities because they build trust. And without trust, the city may have difficulty moving some of these initiatives forward. Then of course, there's data management, computing resources, and analytics that together drive the business intelligence that uh, allow you to actualize on this information that you've created out of the raw data. Is that enough, Larry? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Um, and I know if I was an owner operator, uh, I, I might, uh, you know, or an end user, uh, it's a real challenge, you know, from, from that perspective about how to get started. You know, th this is an awfully, uh, it's an awfully big uh, landscape of technologies and functions that you've laid out. So how do you get started? How do you ensure a successful project uh, when you're thinking about implementing smart city technology? Uh, good question. You know, Larry, the, you know, the smart city initiatives have been around for at least a decade. And it's uh, that the implementation philosophy has evolved. In the first uh, wave of initiatives, it really was suppliers that that went out to the market, to the public works directors, to the city managers, to the elected officials, and, and even to citizens groups, and attempted to uh, deploy their their applications. However, they met with some with quite a bit of uh, pushback, and were not um, as successful as they would have liked. And what they what they recognized was that they really didn't embrace the needs of the community. It was more of the scenario that uh, they built a hammer and then everything looked like a nail. So that evolved to uh, a smart city 2.0 perspective where those suppliers went, went to the public elected officials, the city managers, maybe directors of an agency and asked, what is it with a clean sheet of paper? What is it you want? That was quite a bit more successful. But it too struggled because even a public official or a public works director don't have a complete view of what are the needs of the community. So the Smart City 3.0 effort uh, really started gaining traction, oh, two or three years ago. I believe it was coined by Dr. Boyd Cohen. Uh, of uh, He's a uh, professor in, in Spain. And it is a all-encompassing initiative of user needs from all the stakeholder communities. So while Smart City 1.0, supplier-driven, and 2.0 are driven by government decisions, Smart City 3.0 is really driven by, uh, by a comprehensive group of all of the um, 
of the stakeholder needs. So that eliminates, um, in, a, in a simple example, that eliminates the problem you might, oh, say you're building a, uh, a bridge. You don't want to build a bridge and then have the bicycle community later on come to you and say, hey, there's no bike lane. We, uh, we think this thing's a failure or, or we're not going to support the bond issue that uh, is funding it. So that's um, that Smart City 3.0 is very uh, approach is very important to actually making projects happen and after implementation being viewed as being ultimately successful. And it sounds like uh, maybe helping some of the uh, end users and owner operators avoid some common mistakes, maybe too. Um, has a structured approach to Smart City 3.0 been formalized yet? Um, you know, that's a fascinating question, and there are a number of in initiatives uh, in that area. I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about two. You know, previously I referenced the transportation domain. And the, uh, in North America, the U.S. Department of Transportation faced many of these same issues in, uh, you know, with their goal of moving people and freight um, through, through the network in a safer and more efficient manner. And early on, they recognized that the costs of uh, integration dwarfed were orders of magnitude larger than the actual hardware and software costs. So they took a good hard look about how do we address that problem. And what they came up with was an implementation of, a, of the systems engineering process. And for those computer science uh, people in our audience, you might remember the waterfall model from school. Some still use it. And their, their adoption of that is, is a three-step process. It's to, in step one, comprehensively define your stakeholder communities. So that's everything from the business community, the elected officials, the taxpayers, the voting community, the bicycle community, the uh, uh, police, fire, EMS, public works directors, the elected officials, uh, and any other entities that might impact the situation. Might, there might be a local college in town or major employers. Um, the first step is to define all those stakeholder communities and then somewhat exhaustively query them for, uh, you know, what is your biggest problem? What is your need? What, if, if you had a, had a magic wand, what would you fix today, tomorrow, and perhaps, you know, years into the future? Well, in that step, you collect all of those and then you refine your somewhat substantial list into which ones have consensus across the communities. Once you have that consensus-based needs list, that's, that finishes step one. In step two, a systems engineer will transfer them and evolve them into measurable functional requirements. And that's, that too is a very critical step because that then forms the basis of your RFP or your project specification. And then in step three, which is a little more elegant and fine-tuned, is developing test plans so that as you move through your project life cycle, you don't deviate in or uh, you, you don't deviate from support of those originally agreed upon list of consensus-based needs. You don't want to finish your project and either not support one of those or, 
or perhaps uh, work in some requirements that are not supported by a need because that that uh, doesn't make financial sense you know, either. So the, the U.S. DOT is driving quite a bit of smart city efforts in the transformation uh, trans, uh, digital transformation domain uh, using that approach. It um, uh, more recently the IEEE has recognized that there needs to be a guide for what do you do on day one, and not surprisingly, they've developed and are adopting uh, essentially the same type of philosophy where it's define your stakeholder communities, uh, extract those consensus-based needs, turn it into measurable requirements, and, and uh, have some oversight all along the project life so that you don't deviate. Um, so in the next quarter or two, the IEEE will be publishing um, an umbrella standard for smart city planning and technology that addresses that as well. But that's only two of uh, a, a number of different initiatives that uh, are attempting to uh, uh, take out the ambiguity of what you do on day one, in week one, and in month one of your of your smart city project. Okay. Well, um, hopefully that'll give us all a better foundation to actually, you know, get started on some of these projects. It's really hard to, to have an effective project. Uh, without that requirements definition. Uh, I know that for sure. Um, I think we have time for one last question, and I was wondering if you could comment about sustainability uh, within the smart city domain. That's, that's, that's a great question because it's, it's not um, – well, in, in smart city initiatives, often, you know, often the community defaults to some of the most easily monetizable applications, energy conservation, re, uh, reduction in maintenance, but um, safety, quality of life, all are also very important in creating a, you know, a dynamic structure, both socially and economically for a city. So sustainability isn't just a green buzzword. It actually has three formal pillars. And the first is to protect or enhance the natural environment. The second is to protect and enhance uh, human quality of life, the societal aspects, and that includes safety. Um, so, uh, you know, part of the smart city effort is uh, Vision Zero, uh, which is a worldwide attempt initiative to um, bring pedestrian fatalities and accidents down to a level of zero. And all of that is also in the smart city domain. That's pillar number two. Pillar number three in the world of sustainability is really the one that's most unspoken about. And it's doing the first two in an economically sustainable manner. So practically speaking, it needs to get paid for in a reasonable time frame with a relatively short payback, or you're not gonna achieve the first two of better quality of life and better environment and more jobs. So that's, um, sustainability isn't as a, a fuzzy a term as you may think. It's uh, really baked into to the smart city effort. Does that, does that answer your question, Larry? Makes sense, and, and you know I think it definitely should be uh, baked into that smart city effort. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's all about you know quality of life for citizens and and uh, you know making sure we have a sustainable environment moving forward. So it, it makes sense to me. Um, 
And that, uh, our time today is just about up for this episode. Uh, Jim, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, hey, thanks, Larry. And I'm sure this will, this is just the first of, of many podcasts that we're going to do uh, with the ARC Smart Cities team. And I'd like to invite, invite you to please join us uh, for future Smart City Viewpoints podcasts. And don't forget to visit us online at www.arcweb.com, A-R-C-W-E-B slash industries slash smart dash cities. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Smart City VWPTS, Smart City Viewpoints, uh, VWPTS, all one word on Twitter. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much, Larry. Thank you.